Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, creative minds, and contributors in and around technology, STEM education, and STEM-related career fields of the future. Visit our website at www.technologyexpresso.com.net and .org. There you will find our broadcast with guests from all across the technology spectrum, our social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso fast, hot, and intense. Hello, hello to our Technology Expresso listeners. Welcome to another episode. Tonight we're coming to you live, and we've got a special guest that I'm very excited to have, Mr. Tevin Byers. Hello, Tevin. How are you? I'm great. How are you? We're doing wonderful. And also I want to say hello and and give David a few minutes to speak as well. Thank you. And, And talk to our listeners tonight, David. Hello, hello, everyone. Glad to join you once again. Welcome to another edition, as I always say. Jacqueline? <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, I'm excited um, to have this conversation. Tevin, like I tell our audience all the time, it's like, you know, we've sat around and, and talked with you, and it's like having people just eavesdrop on our conversation. But that's basically what it's going to be is we want you to share your experience, your insight, um, just having gone through it. It's nothing like, you know, someone that, that's that been there. Instead of, you know, us old school telling you about how it was back in the day, uh, talk to us about how it is <laughs> here and now. And uh, we'll, we learn things. We absolutely learn things from uh, our, our young people. So, um I'm very excited about that. And so let me share with our audience who Tevin W. Byers is. First of all, um, recently received his Master's of Arts in Students Affairs Administration in Higher Education. That was on July 2017, so from Ball State University. So kudos and congratulations on that achievement. Followed on the heels of securing a position at Georgia State University uh, as a university uh, academic advisor. So, like I said, he's given advice fresh off of having made this uh, achievement himself. Uh, Previously to his master's degree, he received a Bachelor's of Arts in Social Work from Mount St. Joseph University. Um, And if you look at the dates, that was in 2015, so he didn't waste any time. So you need to listen to this man with a plan. We're looking forward to hearing what got him here, what, what, what kind of sparked your interest, who were some of your inspirations, and also now as you're advising others, what are some of the things that you're seeing? So first of all, let me circle back to you. 
and um, I'm going to have you tell on yourself a little bit. Take us back to young Tevin Byers. Tell us about what was school and high school about, and was there a turning point where you knew you wanted to go to college? Take us back to young Tevin Byers. Oh, young Tevin Byers. Uh, well, definitely, I didn't really know I wanted to go to college. I think at that time, I was wrestling um, in high school. I wrestled all my life, so I just knew I wanted to continue to do that. Um, I kind of used sports, um, wrestling in general, as a way out of Dayton, Ohio, which is where I'm from. I used that uh, as a tool to get me to where I wanted to go, at least into college. Um, so in high school, I was really, if it wasn't about wrestling, training, or some type of conditioning or eating right or uh, getting some um, extra workouts in, I didn't really, you know, have the time for it. So most of my high school career was really involved around wrestling. Well, very interesting. But nonetheless, like you said, it was a means to get, you know, something that at that time you were passionate about. So you find yourself going to college. What made you pick your particular career field, or was there a period of time maybe that uh, you were undecided, and were there any turning points or any people that kind of really influenced you? Yeah, I went into college. um, I actually had decided a major, which was sports management. Um, That didn't really last too long. I think that lasted maybe a semester or so. Then I moved over to psychology, I believe, to my sophomore year then eventually made my way to uh, social work. Um, and sports was, I've, that's all I've ever known with sports. So I was like, okay, maybe I would be a sports agent or do this and do that. But once I got in those classes, I had no interest. I had no interest in it. It was just, it wasn't where my mind was at. Um, honestly, I wasn't focused in college, my early stages of it. Um, but once I got to social work, uh, I noticed that I, I wanted to help, not directly with, counseling or so I thought (laughs) not directly with uh, counseling or anything like that but more of um, giving back to society uh, helping um, with community engagement and giving back to my community and my community in general Um, I think that's what really kind of triggered triggered me to to move up from there and started like uh, really dictating and taking control of my own life to realize uh, you know life is what I was going to make it and just have to have uh, have to keep trusting and believing and have the dedication to keep pushing myself. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, the uh, the one thing is is that's why we like having people at various stages of their journey on our show because not everybody just knows. And sometimes when people are going through it, they feel like they're different and something's wrong with them because they don't mm-hmm. know what they want to be or where they want to go. So sometimes it's reassuring when when people can hear other people admit and now looking at where you are, and like I said, as I announced um, in the opening, a master's um, in student affairs and administration, you're working in your career field on top of that, and can't wait for you to share more about that. But um, it kind of took just kind of going through being there, a little trial and error. Um, was there ever re- a, a breaking point where you maybe thought college wasn't for you, or was it just something that you you once you got there, uh, you kind of found found your way around and found where you fit in? What what was some of that process like? Um, my freshman year was really. Uh, 
a struggle. That was my first time really being away from Dayton, Ohio, um, even though I was still in Cincinnati, but I didn't have uh, – I couldn't see my family when I wanted to. Uh, my brothers meant a lot to me, so not being able to see them when I wanted to um, and not being able to see, like, my mom and my cousins and things like that. So it kind of uh, messed with my mind and my emotions a lot. So I, I kind of was floating back, like, oh, I don't know if I want to be here just because of my happiness. It made me uncomfortable. Um, basically, that's all it really came down to. My freshman year was the, um, I really struggled academically. It was my first time really just focusing on my, my grade. So, and I noticed that my, I could, um, learning wise wasn't where I needed to be compared to the other students too. Um, at that very time of, of my career, um, depending on my education. But I also noticed my, I think the end of my, the beginning of my sophomore year, I ended up quitting wrestling because my grades were so bad like they were just horrible and I ended up losing a pretty lump sum of scholarship money I think it was around like ten thousand dollars or something like that uh, and I lost it and it really just helped me put things in perspective but I also lost my identity I've always been labeled as a wrestler and as an athlete so now I took that away so I really struggled with like trying to figure out who I am and um trying to figure out what was next for me I debated about going into the service one of my really good friends had a serious conversation with me about that and I was kind of uh, decided on of, of like this is what I'm going to do I'm going to drop out and go to the service but I don't know with talking to my mom and just um, kind of just keeping faith in myself I just kind of every semester I just I kept sticking with it uh, I had a lot of mentors too who really kind of um, kept challenging me and supporting me through that as well um, but that's what it really came down to uh, my it was it was really hard once I lost my identity in wrestling because that's that's all I've ever known since I was about like maybe ten or eleven. So taking taking that away, I had more free time, which isn't always a good thing, uh, especially as eighteen year uh, eighteen nineteen year old freshman sophomore in college I had way too much time on my hands. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I just knew that I wanted to be in college some way or be around people. I like to travel, um, but I started surrounding. I started. Uh, surrounding myself with people who were different than me, people who came from, um, honestly, uh, higher tax brackets, who people whose families been to college, and um, people who were just really up about their grades and their career. And, and I noticed with that, um, I started to do some of the same things. Um, I started improving myself and started to take more care of my body, started taking care of more of my finances. Um, I just kind of changed my focus, and that kind of, that's what really started to push my academics higher. Like it wasn't the point of I couldn't do it. I wasn't applying myself. That's what it really came down to. And I noticed I went to a 1.8 GPA in undergrad um, and I graduated with a 298 and got into grad school when technically I probably should have been academically dismissed my freshman or sophomore year, but just kind of pushing myself through that kind of helped me. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, David, as you can relate, you know, he's hitting upon all of those pillars that we often talked about, leaning into your your discomfort. He he got himself in an uncomfortable situation, and that's when some people kind of lose heart and retreat. But you kind of just staying in the, the moment. You know, that that is it was a turning point in itself. You know, it may not seem like it until you look back on it. But had you just kind of like you said, once you lost your identity, try to to fall back to, you know, or try to regain what you previously knew versus 
um, I like the idea that, you know, you started observing different people and um, almost identifying with that, that group where you wanted to be and identifying the habits that they had and um, taking it from there. So that in itself is probably a, a level of maturity you probably didn't even recognize in yourself. That was a mature decision even at that point. Um, so, yeah. so, so so valuable. Yeah. And, and the, the, you know, the, the other thing I want to say is also the, the just having exposure because sometimes that's the other part is just going to college and you, people probably hear this and it may sound cliche, but going to college is part of the educational process too. You're going to be exposed to different people, um, you know, taken out of, you know, your comfort zone and that type of thing. And interesting enough, now you're counseling people who are going uh, through some of those same things. So interesting enough, I want you to go ahead and kind of share, not only did you graduate with your undergrad, so some fire must have, um, you know, was in you that you went on to pursue your master's. So what was kind of going on at that point that you, you really caught, caught on fire and wanted to go for your master's? Um, I think I really started to get to that point around my the end of my junior year my my actual um, counselor um, and my mentor to this day, she basically asked me what did I wanted to do, and I didn't know. But one thing that I was good at, um, currently the president of the Black Student Union, I was also in a few other organizations, and I also had an internship at Santa Maria where we planned different events for the community and things like that. So I was really good at uh, planning and organizing and uh, relating to people, especially um, people who may or may not be on the same um, kind of the same structure as me and being able to see see life outside of me and step outside of my own shoes. Uh, I was very, I've just always been good at that. So she kind of recommended like me, like doing some research. She challenged me to do some research and, and figure out what I wanted to do. And I kind of did. And then next thing you know, I kind of just took off with it. And, it, and I noticed that college kind of, I would, I would say really saved my life of um, really focusing on what I really wanted to do because I got involved. And once you get involved, it just kind of just, it takes up some time. Yes. And it's, it's very hard and um, time consuming, but it really just helps you focus on what's important. And I didn't notice about the transferable skills that I was getting while I was, you know, the president of Black City Union or while I was secretary of um, Phi Alpha and a couple other organizations as well. Um, so, why not go do what kind of helped me save my life, basically? So that's kind of what I started uh, started to do. But once I got to grad school, it was, or even applying to grad school, it was just I knew that was the path that I was um, was supposed to go on. I mean, at the time, I had to go all these interview days. I remember I went out to an interview day out in Arizona State. I went to this conference where they had all of these um, different um, universities and colleges there where I had, like, 12 or 13 interviews. It's called Oshkosh Placement Exchange, which is a really good graduate um, interview place that you can go and just interview with a lot of different schools. And I also went to Ball State University's interview day. And it was all back-to-back weekend. I was exhausted. I was still in my senior year. But it was it was one of the best moments. This, I knew this that was what I was supposed to be doing, just being around like-minded people who had the same challenges, who had the same um, – kind of the same path and have and kind of found their way into student affairs because student affairs isn't something that we, that, you know, that people preach to you growing up or even in high school or even in college. Most people don't even know what it is. Even when I, now I tell people, 
they don't really know what I do. But um, it's definitely the path for me, and it is kind of, you know, that's where my heart is, and this is my way of giving back because that's what um, my advisor did for me when I was kind of in my student shoes now. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think that, you know, because you went through some of those ups and downs and highs and lows, you can relate to people, I'm sure, when they come in your, your office and, you know, they're sharing where they are, maybe in their um, struggle or frustration or even confusion, um, you know, you can relate to it. You know, and, and, you know, sometimes when people's paths are just, seems all smooth and laid out for them or taken care of, it's going to be hard for them to relate to other people, but they will find that, you know, um, empathy um, in you as well as you being a role model to them, you know, because they can see where they can be at at some point. And, you know, we we chuckle because um, when we hear about you being, um, having struggles or not knowing it's almost like that's not the Tevin I know. Tevin knows what he wants. He knows where he's going. So, but it, you know, that's just kudos to you of just your your maturing and and growth and development and coming out on the the other side. Um, and I know that you're going to help so many people. And David, David, I know you're with us too. You know, I I, I can monopolize the airways. I want to give you an opportunity as well. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Well, uh, congratulations on your journey, Tevin. And uh, so uh, do something for me here. So making that transition from student to educator yourself, fill in that gap for me and our listening audience coming out of school. Uh, what what led you towards the uh, the path that you're on now as an educator? Um, I actually took a – I had a little – it doesn't, you know, say that in my on my resume or whatever, but I definitely had a gap semester where I figured out a lot about myself. Uh, I used to work for American Airlines, and I kind of traveled a lot too. And um, with that, I just met different people from out of the country and also in some of the different states here in America, and it was – it was eye-opening to see different paths from vision, and I've noticed that the happiness people had within their career, the people who were truly happy of what they wanted to do. And I never wanted to get into position because of money. I mean, yeah, it was great to make money to do what you want to do, but I never really – I wanted to be happy. I didn't want to dread going to work. I didn't want to um, run out of the door out after work. I really just wanted to enjoy what I was doing because I really felt – I still feel this way as – if I don't like what I'm doing, I'm not really helping anybody. So what am I really doing here? I'm taking up a seat, basically. Um, so that was kind of my thing. So that whole, that whole semester, I wanted to make sure that that was exactly what I wanted to do. And this was the first time I wasn't busy. I wasn't in school or anything like that. So I really just got to have freedom, and I missed it. Like, I think I missed being in school or being on college campuses, like, the first month or so. Like, And I was just like, okay, this is exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and in, in grad school, it was – it was really hard for me to, I kind of, it's funny now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of struggled with the same thing that I was going to when I first went into my undergrad. I struggled with the same thing in grad school. Now I have a different, I'm going to a bigger school. Ball State is around 22,000 students. Um, I have to kind of make a name for myself. No one knows me. I kind of have to start from, I have to start from scratch. And some of the students 
um, that were in my cohort, I used to think the same thing, like the same thoughts I thought my freshman year. Are they smarter than me? Are they went to Ohio State? Are they did this? Or they planned this event? I heard about this. But I was comparing myself too much, and it wasn't – we didn't have the same role. So why, you know, why, why am I comparing myself? Um, so just being able to reflect on that at the time and even now is just – like sometimes you got to stay in your own lane. And now as an educator, like that's what I tell my students. It doesn't matter how long it's, it's going to take you or it doesn't matter this, it doesn't matter that. What matters is what you can do. What can you control to get you to the next point? And that's what I've noticed. I've been through so many different situations within college of losing loved ones, of uh, um, struggling, not really having somewhere to sleep, uh, not really having somewhere to sleep every day or uh, not knowing really where my meal was going to come because I was broke and I didn't really have a job because the internship doesn't pay. Like really uh, noticing how to use my resources. So being – going through everything I've been through and now just make sure like when students come to diff- with me with different problems because you hear something different every day you've been there before and when you've been there before you have a different it's not that you feel bad or anything like that you just have a different sense of urgency when you're talking to these students there is a timeline there is a struggle there is a, a thing like okay maybe this won't work or but what it really comes down to is persistence and having faith and just really just weathering the storm because it does get better but you have to do your part that was kind of my take on it of going from undergrad to grad school and even now as an educator, um, even teaching my class, I tell them all the time, like, it doesn't matter how long it takes you. Like, of course, we want you to get done as soon as possible and your, your loans and this and that. But if you're here, find the reason why you want to be here. Just don't be in the seat, you know, wasting money, basically, like, because you're probably getting a loan or blah, blah, blah. But figure out that purpose, figure out your why, and then kind of execute it. Because once you realize what your why is and you know what your purpose is, things become fun. Things that you used to hate doing become just interesting to you. You want to have those conversations and you want to you want to push yourself to new challenges and things like that. Fascinating. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us, Tevin. And I'm sure your uh, students uh, really enjoy that as well. And not just hearing it from someone that's been there because, you know, most educators have been there, but you've been there recently. So you readily identify uh, with the uh, uh, with the group of students that are in your sessions in your classes today. You readily identify, and they can easily make that connection uh, with uh, their road and your road, not that that um, – Helps them a lot, Jacqueline. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that. I really like how you said. You know, figure out your why, and I mean that that should be underscored uh, of when you go to college. It's it's not like you said. Is let me just pick a major because I think it's going to pay a lot of money, or the title sounds prestigious. Um, especially if you're going to end up dreading. This is you know, for many, it may not be a lifelong commitment, but Clearly, you're, you know, with this amount of money that you're spending going to college and the time that you're investing, make it something that, that has passion and purpose to you. Um, so I, I love that, that idea of figuring out your why, and it may take a little bit of trial and error. Um, but I, I also, I don't want to skip over because I think that this is uh, an important part of your development, too, is that you talked about traveling. 
And here you are, you know, uh, that that young kid from Dayton, Ohio. Did you say you've been traveling the world? I mean, <laughs> who would, you know, <laughs> so, talk about some of the places to some of your contemporaries that you were able to travel and maybe some of the, the, the events that stuck out in some of your, your travel. Because that is, uh, you know, that's so important, too, with that big word exposure. So why don't you dive into that a little bit more? Um, yeah, so with working with American Airlines, I, we received really good benefits and prices on flights. So I believe I started working my senior year there, and I was working a lot of hours to be taking full-time credit hours at that time. But in my mind, I kind of – I've never really been outside of um, Dayton, Ohio by myself. I usually was with, you know, my parents. My dad is actually a truck driver, so I've been a lot of different places but, you know, like not as flying and kind of get to have the freedom that I wanted to to have on my own. So me working with American Airlines was solely based on that, which just, okay, I'm just going to travel for one whole year, basically. And that's what I did. Um, so with that year, I've been to Denver, I've been to Los Angeles, San Francisco, Arizona. Um, where else did I go? Chicago a lot. That was like my second home for a minute. Um and also, I got to visit um, um, Rome and Florence in Italy. So that was um, – the Italy trip was probably one of my favorite trips because I went alone. A lot of the trips that I did, I was really – I went to basically establish my independency of just knowing that I could go and pick up and go and do something um, on my own. So I went to Italy. My friend was actually out there, but traveling over there, and I had to find where he was at and taking the train, and I ran into some of the – you know, the – cultural barriers I didn't know that they didn't have public restrooms and stuff like that like you couldn't just you know so you realize how much privilege that we have uh on our side and you you go over there um but it was just me taking in everything that I was experiencing me talking to different people um who had different views and um experiencing different foods and um different wines and things like that so it was pretty cool that was probably one of my favorite trips from that standpoint, but also got to go to um, Hawaii, and I, I visited, I want to say, three or four different islands while I was out there, um, and that was also a good trip for peace. I think that's where I really started to f- figure out my inner peace of, like, life bigger, and my, I knew I had a greater value, and I, I started doing a lot of different meditations and started to really focus my, started to focus my mindset um, on me, basically, just really trying to build upon who I was and trying to figure out who I was growing. Because, like I said, I've never been outside of Dayton, Ohio. So these things that I'm seeing um, is new and makes you want it more. So I also feel that that kind of it drove my my passion. Like, oh, I got to do this. I got to I got to make my career blossom this way so I can be able to give my children and my children's children this when that time comes. Um, because I feel like, it, like you said, it's exposure and um, if I never would have basically left Ohio or Dayton, Ohio, I, who 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 knows where I would be right now? So it changed it changed my mindset a lot, especially going into grad school and even coming down to Atlanta. I I found out that I was coming to Georgia State probably about two weeks after graduation, and I had a week and a half notice to to move my life from north to south, basically, um, and I did it. And I think it really came from that, me being able to just travel. That whole year that I spent traveling, um, really just, I just trusted myself. I had faith. 
And um, I just said, okay, let's do it. Um, I mean, I haven't mm-hmm. broke yet. I bend a lot, but I have, I've never broke. So that's what, <laughs> that's what I always <laughs> tell myself. Absolutely. Sometimes you don't know your inner strength until it, it's tested. And, you know, like like you said, it's like one experience, which, you know, some may look at, well, that was a nice vacation, but it taught you enough about yourself that, hey, when the opportunity came. And, and you know, we do see young people that turn down opportunities, don't want to move too far away from home. And even sometimes I, I caution parents to be careful about trying to keep and, and hold, uh, you know, their children too close and not letting them experience, especially when they're, you know, have that opportunity and that freedom because there'll come a time in life where there'll be other responsibilities. So, you know, it's, you know, awesome to, to, um, to fully take advantage of being really, you know, young, gifted, and single, you know, just completely taking advantage of that. Um, and so, you know, again, that that's just kudos, kudos in, in every way. Um, now let me ask you, so now that brings us up to now what you're currently doing, what you're counseling other young people. And so I'm just wondering, now sitting on the other side of the desk, what are some of the observations that you've had about the, the young people that you're seeing, maybe some of their challenges? Are they the same as yours? And then, you know, I have to throw in what are you hearing and seeing as far as STEM um, and the, the whole science and technology, engineering, and, and mathematics? Uh, what are you seeing as far as the, the young people and their interest there? But just start out at, at a, a high level. What is it like being on the other side of that desk, and what are you seeing? Um, it's actually very cool to be on the other side. Cause like I said, some of the things that I'm hearing, I've either been through, I've heard different stories about it. Um, so it's it's nice to to kind of view myself as my mentors in a way to some somebody else. Um, and also Georgia State is a very uh, diverse university as well. So a lot of different students from a lot of different places. Um, so when I was in school, I didn't really have any black males or people of color in general to even look up to until I got to my senior year in college within my field, um, or even, yeah, within my field. So I just really try to make sure that I'm kind of pushing them to, to know that, you know, it, it, it does exist and you can go get it. You just kind of got to push yourself. Um, so I think that's, one of the biggest impacts that I really try to have on them is just kind of just be that image and be that role model that, you know, that I wish I would have had earlier in my career because most times I'm dealing with, I'm working with freshmen and sophomores uh, most times because usually when students get to their senior year, you don't really see them because they know, you know, they got the hang of things and are getting through it um, with that. But um, things that I'm really noticing are kind of the same, lack lack of education um, within, you know, within the high school level, uh, lack of exposure, especially with STEM. A lot of the people who I've noticed with my STEM students um, already already knew they were going in STEM probably before they got to high school. They may have dual credit. They may have some type of um, – they already have exposure to that field, to the sciences and business world. They already have it. But the ones who, have, I would say, the arts don't they, – they really don't um, – they really don't have that exposure to it. So when they even get into these chem classes, the bio classes, because they all have to take a science, 
most of the time it may have been their first science class that they ever take. So it turns them off immediately, not really knowing that there's a lot more in STEM um, that they're probably interested in. Um, I remember we had a conversation about the video game. People will play that, you know, play video games and do um, um, create their player and create the face and do all this digital imaging, not knowing that is a career. <laughs> and they would spend a lot of their time doing it. So it's just really about exposure and, and how they're doing it. Um, but it's unfortunate because it's it's just a gap. I would notice that students, like I said, students will come in with all these uh, these credits and things like that, and they already know what they're doing. They just basically need you just to approve it. Are the students who want to go to Georgia Tech and go into engineering or computer science, or but you have those students who who struggle just because they're not introduced to it and they they don't really know how to use their time wisely. Um, have that they're not comfortable asking for help just yet because they feel like someone's going to judge them and that's the thing that I dealt with a lot I didn't start asking for help until it got to the point where I thought it was too late but clearly it wasn't but they just thought someone's going to judge them then you get to a point like wait I'm paying for you like I'm paying for this service why am I not even using it then you get that point like I don't care I just want to a basically um so (laughs) trying to get that trying to get that um through, you know, the students like, yo, we have services here to help, and um, there's different resources that you can use it within education and also without. I mean, we have a career center that we have. We offer different internships and things like that, paid internships sometimes, co-ops with different Atlanta, with different um, organizations here and that people just don't know about. Meanwhile, they're job searching, not knowing they can easily probably get a job in their field just because of the connection. So just basically getting those resources out to them and being an advocate for them. Um, sometimes it just comes with exposure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great point. Great point. David, any, any thoughts or comments or uh, if you'd like to take the absolutely. next question? Yes. I actually wanted to piggyback off of that uh, statement and that train of thought there. Seven, uh, what, what techniques do you use in the classroom to to fill that gap? To uh, as you mentioned, some kids that are there they get it, but there's always a few, a minority that don't get it yet, that did not have that preparation coming in, those electives and that exposure coming in to where uh, some of these electives or uh, classes that are a necessity for their uh, degree. Um, are a shock to them. How do you steer them uh, to these opportunities? And, and of course, no one hears it on the first try. And it's, you know, it's, it's something that you just have to constantly repeat until you break down that barrier of theirs, which for the most part is usually fear. How do you, how do you combat that um, and work with your students to get them across uh, that fear threshold? Um. To be honest with you, uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. But what I've been noticing so far, what I've been doing, uh, is just being trans, just being transparent with the students, letting them know, like, hey, I understand things are hard, things are tough. This is who I am. Uh, especially, uh, a lot of these students, I get it all the time. They actually think that I'm the set of the the instructor of the class or their advisor. So being able to, I feel like as soon as they realize that they can really talk to me however basically how you know how they can you know speak to me and I can relate to them we're kind of in the same uh, age group they're like okay well 
I can I can speak to them a little bit differently and get to them how you know how they really needed to hear it. And being able to have that, I don't know where it came from, but it's just it's that's one of the things that I like about my job. I can talk to them like, hey man, you need to get it together. Like this is that, and right, and they understand it. Um, but I also got to let them know that you have to trust the process. You're not going to know what you want to do as soon as you get to college. Sometimes you got to right. go through that struggle. And you're gonna to have to figure out that challenge. And I think once you once they know that there's gonna be challenges and it's not always green and there's gonna be a storm, once they realize that, they're they're willing to do a lot more. They really they because uh, the students that I'm I'm really working with, they're hungry. They just really trying to figure out a way to to get to it. And they're they're trying to stay encouraged and not get discouraged. So they really want it. They just trying to find the access to it. And that's one thing I love about my students. Is they want it? They just they're they're trying to work for it, but they just they want access. Unfortunately, they probably weren't allowed to have the access or weren't given the access growing up. So now they want to provide that, and um, you can see it in their eyes and and even in their conversation with them. So my thing is just encouraging them and just letting them know, like, hey, you're in college, and that person sitting right next to you may have ten credits, but you're all sitting in the same place right now. So who wants it more? Um, so once they realize that and they're willing to get it, I mean, that's most times what it comes down to is just letting them know and building their confidence up that, hey, you can do this. You got in here and you're sitting in this classroom right now. You can do the work. You just you may have to take up more time. You may have to sacrifice. But, I mean, that's that's if you want something, nothing worth having is comes easy. So once you realize that, I know that some of my students are, are go-getters when it comes to that. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. Because and, and what I'm hearing is that sometimes you know people don't like to be vulnerable, um, and and you even see it, especially you know you just finished getting out of high school and and rising to the level of senior, and sometimes it's intimidating being a freshman all over again. And you even mentioned how you had that uh, kind of experience going in as your undergrad, and you almost. You know, it repeats itself when you go in your master's because, once again, you're on kind of foreign territory. You're comparing yourself to to other people and and that type of thing. And uh, just a few encouraging words. Sometimes someone has to kind of just reassure you. um, And so what you're doing and saying to them is is right on time um, for a lot of them and and it's going to resonate with them for a long time to come. Um, what what advice might you give if you had an auditorium full of parents at, and and they had you know juniors and seniors getting ready to go to college, uh, or maybe that's not soon enough? Um, you know, what would you say to our listening audience and and the parents out there? Things that they need to be doing so that students are in a better position because some kids are coming in there prepared, and like you said, other ones, they're being totally blindsided. So uh, in, any thoughts if you could, um, you know, help parents before students get into that position? Um, I would definitely just honestly, this is going to be really blunt, but just let your, let your student, let your child be great. Let them control their own career. Let them do what they want to do, what interests them. It may sound cra- crazy to you, but most time they have the vision or, you know, don't really try to pigeonhole them or control their career and let them make their own mistakes. That's one thing that my mom really helped me do. It's like she let me make my own mistakes, and, and, it, and it, it sucks. But I even noticed 
things that she did differently with me that she didn't do with my brother. Like, I feel like sometimes she tried to control my other brother's, you know, actions, their moves, their college decisions, things like that, and it didn't work out well. But with me, it was kind of just like, you know, gave me more freedom to really pick what I wanted to do and pick the school that I wanted to go to and kind of just made, uh, made me – you know, uh, I wouldn't even call them failures, but because I really learned from, I call them lessons learned, but with, with failures, but kind of just let me struggle. And that was, that was my thing of just letting me be my own individual and be independent. That's one of the main things that I noticed. Cause even now you'll be surprised how many parents that I see on a daily basis um, that will come <laughs> in and talking, yeah, talking to me. I'm like, well, it's cool that you're here, you know, that's support, but where's your, where's your, where's your student? Like, where's your, I can't talk to you about it, but where's, you know, where's your, where's your child at? So that's just one thing of just, um, I know it's hard to do, um, but just letting them have control. But in high school, in the early stages, allow them to have access. There's so many different opportunities out there, and you can just put them in an environment. My mom put me in some program, Young Scholars at Sinclair, and we had class, like, every day from 9 to 12, and, I had the time. Of course, I didn't want to get up at 9 a.m. on a Saturday, but looking back at it, it was teaching me really time management. It, it helped me with our uh, Ohio placement test that we had to take out of graduation, out of, um, before we can graduate. Um, it put me in a college environment because I've never experienced it before, and it was just a really good program for me to be in. There's a lot of different programs like that. We actually have one. It's called Move On When Ready at Georgia State, and students who have the right GPA can take classes um, college-level classes either at their high school or even at Georgia State or one of the perimeter colleges, and it's completely free. And if they pass the class, it counts as a credit. So some students I've noticed are coming in, some seniors and juniors are coming into college with already 30-plus credits. So they already have two years of college done just from access. These are free. You don't pay fees. You don't do tuition. It's all free. So doing some research and allowing them to have freedom of their own um, of their own careers and giving and allowing them to have um, um, kind of just informative information with um, within college. Because sometimes also what I'm noticing, all students don't want to go to college. The, there's different ways mm-hmm. to, to get that from. And I've um, also, ha- I have a lot of friends um, who once they got to college, they realized like, okay, this isn't for me. But now, they're so far in, we're just like, okay, well, I'm here now, I might as well finish. So allowing them to maybe not go to college and have those decisions and kind of, you know, kind of going back to what I said earlier, figuring out their why. Um, because you don't want to get your degree and you don't know what you want to do with it. Now you just, now you're in debt or have these loans and now you're sitting here with a degree that means nothing or you don't want to do it, you know, now you don't want to do it especially now it's becoming less about the degree to, in my opinion, what I'm noticing less about the degree and more about your experience and who, you know, um, so mm-hmm. basically putting them in those, putting them into positions to win, but also allowing them to make their own mistakes. That, that would be my feedback for parents if I could talk to them. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's, it's very, it, again, it's, it's, Special to hear it from someone that's recently gone through it, you know, not just another parent talking, you know, because like you said, parents have their perspective. And, and something that you said, sometimes it's hard for a parent to watch their child struggle. They always want to make their, their way easy. That's, that's part of their role as a parent. But there, there comes that age. But I think that 
um, one of the things that you also said that's so important is that by the time they get to the age where they're making those decisions, prior to that, giving them enough exposure so they have information to make some of those decisions. Because without exposure, then, you know, they're very narrow in their thinking uh, because of first age, but also because they just haven't been exposed. So the the real work for parents sounds like it's the sooner the better um, that, you know, getting them exposure, getting them in the, the program. And there might be some pushback and some, um, you know, some disgruntled, you know, young people because they don't want to, they think these programs, you know, are a waste of time or a waste of their Saturday, but that's going to be the input into some of the other d- decisions that they're going to have to make down the, the road to help feed them finding who they are and what they, they want to do. So they two sound like they go hand in hand. Yeah, exactly. Like you touched on a good point. It's It's funny that parents will – Put their put their uh, their uh, kids into programs of like sports. They send them to sports camps and they send them to these things at an early age. And you have pee wee football, and you have camps, and you have all these different things. But when it comes down to uh, engineering camps or arts camps and um, different camps like that or conferences, it's limited. It's very limited of the attendance of the kids who are there. And it's just like, wow, where's our priorities at? I mean, I grew up in, you know, a football family and wrestling and everything like that. And I I would just wish that I was introduced to it at a younger age of the education because I would have been in a, in a lot – I would have been, to be honest with you, in a, in a different situation, um, mainly with financials. Um, I've noticed that one thing that I've, uh, students are struggling with is controlling those refunds that they're getting. They're spending – I did it, my friends did it, and everybody – Everyone's have you know that I know has done it and just kind of wasted their refunds and but just because we don't we don't know we don't know money basically uh, and we don't know that we can save this or we can actually give this money right back to the bank and you know it will help us down the road for the loan's sake or pay the entrance off or blah 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 but that that was just one thing that I wish I had more control over was uh, kind of financial literacy and that's another thing going back to the other question is that's what I make sure that my students know like. Keep in mind of the bills and the books and things that you're going to need for college. Make your make your budget. Try to control the money. Try to do this. Try to do that. Work study is an option, um, and kind of grow from that. But that's it's just crazy thinking about it. Like we have all these football camps and um, all of these things. I mean, I woke up every day for on Saturday morning to go play football uh, back in Dayton, but. I didn't want to wake up to go take classes at Sinclair. Like, where's my priorities, basically? So it's just thinking about it now and things that we could do differently to basically grow, uh, to grow and move forward. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, it you know, there's there's a, a balance, you know, and and um, recognizing, you know, that you know, developing both the academic as well as the athletic, but there there being a balance and. Um, Showing, you know, I, I think sometimes too the parents' enthusiasm has a lot to do with it too. If the the, the parents are not that enthusiastic, sometimes you got to fake it even uh, for the the students. But you know, taking them to some of these programs because we do have a lot of families that uh, what I call the first generation STEM. So they themselves may not have been even that good at science or technology or engineering and math. Um, 
But and I, I've told parents many times, don't let on. You know, just you know, go with the flow and let their sense of wonder and excitement, you know, um, be you know, catch on to you. But don't let your sense of you know the interest uh, or, or whatever you might have felt when you went to school rub off on them um, because, you know, mm-hmm. kids will, a lot of times what they're, again, what they're exposed to, um, they'll, they'll, they'll find something that excites them or you'll know pretty quickly if that's their thing or not their thing. But yeah, um, you keep giving them that, that exposure uh, without any bias and, and see where they go. Cause to your point, even in sports is like, um, how many times have you seen someone try to push someone into one sport and that's not that kid's sport? Well, you keep showing exactly. them and then they find theirs, you know. Like you said, you found a love for wrestling. So, um, you know, you, you do the same with the, the other academic areas too because there's um, people think that, like you said, I think too, they get these stereotype ideas of what science, technology, engineering, arts, and math uh, our, our design and, and mathematics are all about, but it's everywhere and in everything from fashion to makeup to whatever you can think of, you know, sports and um, even there's this technology around athletics and um, that area, music. So it's it's wherever you want to be. You just got to find that that intersection between the your passion and your interest in, in STEM. So um, that's it. Let me let you have kind of uh, David. Did, is anything else you want to to add or say? And and then we'll give Seven kind of an opportunity for the last word here. I think we've covered it. It's uh, you know too bad we didn't have any uh, some young folks coming calling in and ask some of their own questions. That would have been uh, fantastic. But um, I'm sure we'll get a lot of feedback once this recording is out there and we socialize it. There's a lot of information, and Kevin shared shared a lot of information about his experiences that a lot of young people are going to relate to. And it's really important to get that message out there because they're not going to hear that in mainstream media. They and they don't necessarily want to hear from their parents. But to have it come from a, <laughs> a, a young educator that's that's not far removed from their own uh their own experience, that is invaluable. They can really relate to that and I know that's gonna be a, a really powerful uh show. I can't wait to see our numbers increase um on this show. Thanks for sharing that insight, Tevin. Oh no problem. Thanks for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I want to kind of leave, I asked Tevin to to give me three words to describe himself. And and in and of itself, you know, um, and I know you've been through many interview processes, but it says volumes when a person can even define themselves in three words because it says that you, you have been introspective and, and getting to know yourself. And I'm sure over the years, those uh, three words may change, but I, the three words Tevin gave me was innovative, transparent, and brave, and all so powerful um, um, words. So, Tevin, based on where you are now and how you've defined yourself, what are some of the things that you aspire for, and, and what do what will be in Tevin's future? Um growing um within my faith 
uh, within as being a better man, being a better, a better black man in general, um, and, and kind of just growing and being able to reflect. I think that's a lot of our problems, honestly. Sometimes we don't reflect and just be present in some situations. We don't realize the blessings and the different things that we have um, that, you know, that we are, we are given. I don't think we really, until we sit back, I mean, I'm terrible doing it myself. I, I Sometimes I look and see how far I have to, to go uh, instead of looking back like, whoa, I came really far from where I've been. Uh, so just being sitting back and being present in situations and just reflecting on different things, that's really how you grow. Um, so with that, in the future, um, hopefully, no, I'm not going to say hopefully, in 2019 um, fall, uh, I plan to be entered into a, doc, a doctoral program um, in educational policy. I want to fix some of the things that is, are wrong within our education system, uh, especially within higher education, mainly with first-generation college students, with African-American first-generation college students, and just um, evening the, you know, uh, leveling out the playing field, making every sure everybody that we all have the equal opportunities and things like that. Uh, I think that's where my career is growing. I'm with with being in education now and, and really trying to navigate it, I've noticed, you know, some of the, the loopholes and things like that. And kind of with my age, it's kind of a strong point. I feel like a lot of people are intimidated by me um, and sometimes also um, under underestimate me as well. Um, so being able just to stand my ground and have these uh, controversial issues and being comfortable in uncomfortable situations, that's one thing that I've learned. And, and have those um, conversations to realize that this is wrong and this is why it's wrong and this is where we're going to grow. I understand this is what you believe, but this is kind of where things are. It's not about the research. It's not about this. It's about what's, what's better for the student and me to have those conversations with mm -hmm. that because sometimes I think we just get caught up in the research and we get caught up in the numbers and things like that. But when the student has just lost a scholarship and and is failing a class and going through a lot of emotional things and all of this things going on in, in their life, they don't care what the numbers say. They don't care what the research say. They want to know how can you help me. And a lot of these policies that we have in place and a lot of things that these students go through aren't, in, aren't really focused on those students. I like to call it the murky middle. It doesn't focus on those students. It kind of focuses on the upper-level students and it kind of benefits people who already, you know, kind of are in a privileged situation. Um, so mm -hmm. uh, what I, my goal is to steer all that up. I'm not going for any of that. So let's, <laughs> that's my thing. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of where my career is going. That is awesome. And, I mean, with you um, fighting for the, the next generation and the, the next wave of students, I can see there being a turning in the tide and, Look forward to other young people like you. Um, you know, ultimately, one of the things I say about STEM um, is that it's about problem solving and change agents. So, regardless yeah. of it doesn't, it's not just a degree. It's you know, seeing where there's a problem and solving it. And STEM just is one form of, of a thinking process to problem solving. And so where all of us have a different piece of the puzzle and a different mission. And from your perspective, um, focusing and confronting some of the things in the education system, um, it just gives us all the, the hope uh, for the better in the future. So 
continue to do what you do. Thank you for your time this evening. Thank you um, for, uh, you know, sharing your time, your experience, being transparent with us, being real. And um, we look to have you back. Our microphone is open to you. Uh, Please come back. And like David said, we'll have some open lines and invite some people to call in as well. So, you know, thank you again. And, And, David, once again, another great episode. So, I'm going to say good night, thank you, and uh, to our listeners, thank you for uh, supporting Technology Espresso. Bye for now. Thanks, everybody. You have been listening to Technology Espresso Cafe Radio. For a full list of our broadcast archives, social media handles, contact information, and upcoming shows, visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com.net and .org. Call our event hotline 855-484-6837 for a list of STEM-related events in various states across the country. That's 855-484-6837. Your feedback is important to us. Send us an email through our website or directly to technologyexpresso at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and remember to listen, learn, leverage, launch. <laughs>